Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. All right, welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 3, Episode 14. Can't believe that we're at 14. We're halfway through Season 3. We're also here in Clavette, Saskatchewan, which is exciting. Not so much when we drove around town. Sorry, Mike. It was uh, a little anticlimactic, although you got some cool stuff here in Clavette. You have a big arena, some nice new subdivisions, and uh, all the things that you expected. I will tell you, super cool. They had the tunnels. Like Moose Jaw has the Al Capone tunnels. Big deal. Right? Clavette has the tunnels that gets the kids safely from one side of the highway to the other side. I'll throw some posts up about that so everyone can see it. I did think that was cool for the record. So we're in town because this is our 500 flyer hall. So we've been talking about this for, uh, man, I don't know. What, we've been talking about this for 12 years, right? It was just a goal we set at the start that didn't really mean anything. You just had to say a number out loud, and I picked 500, and, and here we are. And thanks for having us here in Clavette for that. Absolutely. Glad you're here. Thanks for coming. (laughs) (laughs) So we're with uh, Mike Beamish, who's the fire chief of the Clavette Fire Department. Also works with Seahawk here in Saskatchewan and Manitoba, doing a lot of the Homatro stuff. And then we have Ayrton Faulkner. Yep. Did I say that? Yeah, right? you got it. You crushed it. Crushed it. Crushed it. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> you know, you do some sales for Seahawk and used to work in the mechanical part of it as well. Yes. Yeah, correct. Right on. And so we'll talk about that stuff. You're also on the Clavet Fire Department. I am. And grew up in Clavette. I did. Born and raised. Right. 24 years now. One of the tunnel kids there. You betcha. Forth, so. <laughs> We're definitely talking about that. Best, you could be thing. thinking about it already. What's the best thing I ever saw in the tunnel? What's the worst thing? <laughs> Danger, danger. You were a teenager in Clavette, so we'll get to what we get to here. And then we got Kirsten and Sarah with us, so thanks girls for coming. I know that you always give me a hard time, but here you are crushing it with me, 500 fire halls. Poor Kirsten, you've probably been to half of them with me, so you're just like, thank God this is over. And uh, Sarah decided to jump in the truck and cross... Alberta and Saskatchewan to come here and hang out with us. So thanks for that. It was all worth it because Mike has like 500 cats running around the house here. <laughs> you're in heaven. You just think it's the greatest. Baby cat snuggles pay off all things. So. Yeah, correct. <laughs> okay, right on. So let's start with you, Mike, right? We're in your town. We're sure. doing your thing. Kind of tell us about your fire service adventures. Where did it start? Where's it going? Sure. So I'm actually a Manitoba kid. Grew up in a place called Hamiota, Manitoba. My dad was fire chief there for, I think it was about 27 years. I was just the kid and it was a weird dichotomy where we were a fire family, but we weren't do anything that I would say is common in our fire service now. It was just, dad was the fire chief. There was times we'd go to fires. There's times where he'd go to meetings and trainings and you sometimes had to go clean the truck, but you didn't really think anything of it. I don't even think he owned a fire t-shirt. Like it's weird to me. 
I uh, promptly moved to Saskatchewan uh, as an electronics designer. I got a job, moved to Saskatoon and had no interest in the fire service. Well, I could only last in the city for a couple of years and had to get out, moved to small town and moved to small town. And very shortly thereafter, you got to join the fire department. So <laughs> I actually, the fire department was doing a fundraiser. They were cooking, I think it was pierogies and sausages. And I said, oh, that's a good time to meet them. And I'll talk to somebody when I'm there. So we went down and as luck has it at most of those events, they were all out at a fire call and it was a bunch of spouses and kids that were doing all the cooking. And well, I guess I'm not going to talk to them here, so I better get somebody's phone number. And a couple of weeks later, showed up at the training night and been there ever since. So you, you got a plate full of pierogies and sausages. I definitely had pierogies and sausages. That was the highlight. Kind of fundraiser, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. And then I've been Clavette Fire for 12 years. So kind of became chief just over three years ago now, I think it was. So. Yeah. Yeah. So like your poster child growing up fire, I got to tell you, right. That's a, the people exactly. that we run into right? exactly That's generation after generation. And you think you're out and you get drugged back in and right. And then you drag a bunch of other people in, which will probably be Ayrton's story here. Okay. So Ayrton, you tell us now your story because uh, you're a pretty young guy to be on a Clavette Fire Department. Uh, that's what they say, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I'm born and raised in Clavette, 24 years now. I uh, grew right up in town, kindergarten right to grade 12. Yeah, I guess I kind of had the different view where I, I would see all the fundraisers and the parades back in the day with the fire department. Of course, big red shiny trucks, as every kid likes to see. Back in the day for you, like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. Back in the day, yeah. My background's in construction so I did horizontal directional drilling for four years I operated for three of those years one of the guys I worked with was my right hand man I guess we worked together lots so it was very much so uh, like a brotherhood so I kind of got that part of it and he was bothering me for a lack of a better word to join the fire department all the time and seemed like a really big commitment so it took me a few months to get convinced and when I finally did was actually when Mike just made the transition to fire chief. So I kind of thought, there goes my in. There's no more boots to be filled, but I managed to to get an interview and get in. So, yeah, it was best decision I made is what I often say. I wish I made it sooner. but And then I get bugged right away. It's like, ah, it's only a few months, but there's a lot of change in those few months. So. Yeah, for sure. And then yeah. it's, uh, you know, what's going to draw you in. And it's typically because you know someone or, Absolutely. right, maybe they're a mentor, maybe they're a friend, maybe they're a family member, but you're going to come in based on, hey, if that person's going to be there and they want me, mm -hmm. I should mm -hmm. go, right? It's uh, no different than me. I got drunk and one of my friends took advantage of that and signed <laughs> me up. And, we take all bodies. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. And so it's kind of fun to know that story and to think about that. And to see kind of how everybody gets in. And it's very rare, I would say like one in a hundred where it's like I had nothing to do with it. And then all of a sudden one day I stopped in all on my own with no, yeah. right? The other 99 out of 100 of us have a some kind of connection to the fire service, right? Whether it's watching the trucks go during the yeah. parade or the people coming into the school or friends or family or those things. Yeah, so cool. my dad was on the department for a few weeks, I think. I guess the biggest thing I remember from that is the fire hall key actually in the junk drawer for decades. It's probably still there, actually. I learned later that my dad's grandpa, so my great grandpa, was a firefighter on Waldheim. 
Okay. His name's still on the wall, actually, where his locker was. So. Which is cool now. It's Super cool, yeah. Full circle when I stopped there, yeah. And it's like right when you open the door, you'll see John Clausen on there, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, fun to see that kind of around, right? I had a grandpa that was Elkhorn, Manitoba. Michael know where that is. Absolutely. He was the fire chief there way back when. And so just him and I in our whole family. <laughs> A big family full of trained people, but two of us were the outliers and we did some different stuff there. And so it's kind of cool. Fun to have that in your background. Sarah, we had to got you along. What were you thinking? Hey, you want to come drive six hours each way to be there for the 500 foot? Uh... Yeah, I think everybody knows how much I like to visit fire halls. So to come for this one, I thought was important, not only for growing up fire purposes, but to be, you know, at the end of the goal and to see that happen for you guys. Obviously, it's big, important for for what we do and who we meet and all the people that we get to see along the way. So I, I thought it was cool to, to come along and kind of see the end of that. Yeah, it is cool. You know, there's so many things that happen and it's so hard to put your finger on every single thing. But I think it wouldn't be fair to not say like in that relationship piece, we just got to go to Brett Kissel the other night. And that was, you know, Kevin Bushy that we met while we were out in Nova Scotia just like a month ago. And he was the tour manager and phoned us up and wanted to see the fire hall. And while he's there, he's like, hey, come check this out. And so, like, there's a lot of stories like that in these 500 fire halls, right? We've got to see every kind, big, small. Clavette is not a monster fire hall, although I can't think of a better place to finish up the 500th one, right? <laughs> I could have went into Calgary to some fire hall and been in and, you know, the $25 million fire hall. But I think being in a small fire department that kind of brings me back to my grassroots where I got started and how I remember it and so I can't think of a better place to be here in Saskatchewan in in small town Saskatchewan absolutely and, uh, you know checking it out so that part's all cool but yeah I mean the relationships are incredible the buildings we've seen you know incredible all different kinds Kirsten you've been there for probably more than half of them <laughs> are, are you just excited that it's almost we're done counting do you know, I'm excited to be here, but I have to say, I highly doubt it's going to be done at 500. I think you bring me just so I can keep counting, keep track of which ones, take some pictures, post them. And yeah, so. Well, now that I'm 50, I don't think we'll go for a thousand. Maybe we'll just chop them off at a hundred at a time. <laughs> right. Just keep counting. Well, I, I got a whole list of ones for the next trip. You're out this way. I'm uh, I have a few gems you need to see. Yeah. It's so like that. Remember when we were out in Nova Scotia this last trip and they were trying to we were at like 480 something and they're like, we're going to need a 500 while you're here. And we're just like, after the first two days, we're like, it's not happening. No more. Shut no down, more. Can't down. have we a list. We're going to freak out here if we uh, go to too many fire halls. And, and it is fun to just visit a few every day, right? So today we went to Martinsville. We went to Warman, drove by, saw some other ones, but didn't go in. You can kind of remember what you saw when you do two or three a day. You know, some of those days oh. we've done eight or nine. And it's a whirlwind. At the end of the day, we're looking through the pictures going, what did we see? What did we see? Yeah, absolutely. Crazy, right? So, all right. So that's uh, your firefighter side. So we're going to start with Mike because Mike's been here longer. So let's talk about the Seahawk story. How did you get involved with Seahawk? And So the Seahawk story is a little bit of a continuation of my growing up fire story because on the fire department, start off, what are you but very excited firefighters. So you take all the training you can get. And out here in Clavette, we get a lot of highway accidents. We're right on 16 Highway. It was a pretty big deal for what we did. So one of the first big training things that I got to do was my extrication course. Took that course and just fell in love right away. 
Short period of time after that, the uh, chief and deputy were looking at somebody to be our in-house trainer for extrication, and they saw my passion for it, and they saw that I somehow had a bit of a knowledge towards it, even just being as a new guy. So they said, hey, we want to help support you to get you to be our in-house trainer. Let's figure out what that looks like. So we did some research, talked to some people, found some train-the-trainer kind of courses, and I actually went to Calgary. I'm the first non-Calgary fire employee that got to take one of their trainer programs. So uh, on paper, I rented a room in a Calgary training site for a week, but in reality, I sat in on one of the train-the-trainer courses for their in-house instructors. After that, I started doing a little bit of training for our, our local crew here. We'll probably talk about them before we're done here, but we've got four fire departments in our RM that we are all at a little district. So I was doing a bit of training for these guys and a cold call comes along from a company that needed somebody to be an extrication demo person for them. They were selling JAWS and they needed somebody that could show off the tools or they could call on to do training after the, the sale. So they uh, asked if I'd be interested and you tell any firefighter who's been in this for uh, about two years that, hey, do you want a set of jaws that live in your garage? And pretty much every one of them is going to say yes. <laughs> this sounded like a cool gig. So uh, I actually worked with that company for about seven years and that got me involved with the Saskatchewan Volunteer Firefighter Association doing a lot of their trainings. I think I'm up to like 15 of the last 17 fire schools. Of course, traveling the trade show circuit and all that with them and doing a little bit of sales on the side for them here and there and kind of funded some of the bills for doing this and buying some of the equipment and gear. After seven years of that, I ran into another uh, vendor that said, hey, do you want to get out of your cubicle? Because I'm an electronics designer at this point. I'm doing all this in my spare time, weekends and taking days off work to go training or go teach somebody. And it was starting to be a little much, but it was more that I was becoming very dissatisfied with a nine to five being an employee number 608 working in a cubicle. And I was looking for a change of some sort anyways. So it was the right timing for a lot of it. But this vendor gave me the chance to come and do it full time. So went to work for them. Um, I was only there for about a year, just some creative differences and things. But at that point, that's when the boys at Seahawk, Ben and Ray, uh, made a phone call to me one day. We had met each other a few years before at a trade show, but we kind of knew of each other, interacted quite a bit back and forth. But at this point, they were starting to build the Homatro team. They'd been granted the Homatro rescue sh dealership for Manitoba, Saskatchewan. And they needed a guy and I was kind of looking for something. So we got together and yeah, I became their rescue specialist. So for the last three years, I've been Seahawks rescue specialist. So all things Homatro, sales, service, and training. That's been my focus. I've done a little bit of gear sales off the side of my desk here and there, but the way things are going this last year, I'm full-born Homatro. There's nothing else that takes up my time. I love to jump on my Facebook in the morning after every weekend on Monday morning and be like, where did Mike go? What's going on? <laughs> and almost every weekend there's uh, Mike's gone to somewhere, right? I noticed yeah. that you take all the time off when it's like minus 30 though. What's, uh, you know, we did it. When I started, they said that it's, it's, you don't do much in the winter, but the way the last winter was, I ran steady all winter long. I did a demo in LaRange, Saskatchewan, about as far north as you can drive. And it was about minus 30 that day. And we had a lot of fun. 
tell you this though, you bet the firefighters, if they can uh, do something, you'll buy them ice cream when it's that cold, you better be prepared to follow through. So I still owe those boys ice cream because uh, the Dairy Queen closed before we were finished. So and they will never forget. No, nope. so it's on my list when I'm back up there here in a few weeks that I got to buy them ice cream. So. You don't never bet food, like anything else. If you bet them a thousand dollars, they just let it go. Exactly. Care, but not food, you're going to pay, right? Exactly. So, Ayrton, you also work for CR. I do, yeah. Pretty lucky. Again, mine ties into the growing up fire, I guess, story. So, yeah, I joined the fire department. I thought it was pretty interesting. I was trying to get more and more involved, take more training, see, hey, maybe this is a career. I guess looking for some purpose and direction for a term to coin it as. The more I did, the more I wanted to be involved. Unfortunately, I decided to go to BC's to do some pile drilling, make some quick, good money. I thought I was going to be going to school in Brandon, Manitoba and how Saskatchewan and Manitoba play nice. Some of my credits didn't transfer over. So I'm on the job site and I get a phone call from the college saying that I wasn't accepted and I just need to upgrade a chemistry 30 class and reapply. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. You're a little lost. And right away, what do you do? I don't know. You just let chief know, like, crap, I didn't get in sort of thing. Like, now what? I'm making good money. Money's only getting better. The job's only getting easier. And he said kind of, that sucks. But selfishly, there's been a position open and I had you in mind, but I didn't know where you were at with everything. So we could get that going if you're interested. And I basically said, you tell me when and I'll be there. So, nice. yeah, I got in touch with Ray. and. There was a position open in the service side. So what better way to get in the fire industry than to learn the ins and outs of every fire brand of truck out there. So you started off doing a lot of like the pump testing. Yeah, servicing, pump testing, literally crawling in pump house, like dog houses sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. in every which way, dirty, clean, you name them all. Yeah. I've seen a lot of them, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, like Mike said, he got pretty busy with all this rescue stuff. He did the gear up stuff on the side, so equipment sales. And I assume there were some conversations with Ben saying, I could probably use the help and a guy around. It made sense, and Ben gave me the opportunity. I said, yes, absolutely. Nice. It was fun for us. Kirsten and I got to see you guys at the Manitoba and Saskatchewan Chiefs show. And it was uh, really fun when we went to the Saskatchewan Chiefs show to watch you guys in your element. right? Yeah. And so it, it's amazing how many fire chiefs, you know, I, I never really thought I'd run into any competition as far as how many fire chiefs someone knows, but you guys definitely are my competition. <laughs> I'll have to check stats later. But it, was like- it was funny when you guys first came into that show as we were setting up and You were talking about, oh, you'll have time to do this and we'll be able to do this. And then at the tail end, you looked at me and said, these are your people. I said, yeah, I never stopped talking the entire trade show. And I don't think I could really demonstrate anything because it was just one customer after another or one. And some of them aren't even customers. Some of them are just fellow firefighters or fellow chiefs that are either mentors to me or just the guys that I've had been with at a lot of these trade shows. And it's kind of, yeah, become a thing. So. (laughs) <laughs> you can definitely tell for sure. Ayrton, even for you, right, to run into different people. So when we go to, like, the Alberta Chiefs show, obviously there's just, like, hundreds and hundreds oh, of yeah. people we know there, and you get a chance to talk to everyone. At these last two shows, there wasn't as many, right? Like, we know Chiefs, and we ran into them as we've stopped and things like that. But it's always fun to watch somebody that knows a ton of people to just kind of go through it with them and kind of see, you know, what's new on the market. A bunch of home actual stuff that nobody had ever seen.
seen before, the Saskatchewan program. Let's talk about that. This is a sure. great time to be. Every province could learn from Saskatchewan about this one. Absolutely. So I'll give kind of the overview of the program to the best of my ability. Now, caveat here that I'm one of the vendors, but I've been involved in it with the process. So uh, at the start last summer, post-COVID, SGI, our insurance company here in Saskatchewan, had a whole bunch of money that they were very excited to donate to the fire service for rescue. Extrication and rescue, I believe, was the terminology they used. But they aren't really the organization to know what to do with it or how to deal with it. So they gave it to our SPSA, our Saskatchewan Public Safety Agency, and basically put them in trust and said, figure out how to give this out to the fire departments. Well, we had a committee that was involved with some of the minimum standards and the training programs in the province here that was already striked. So they tasked that committee with saying, hey, can you help us to figure out how to pass this along? So they came up with some ideas. I got booted off the committee right away because of the conflict of interest side of things. I had to take a step away and became one of the vendors. But what they did is they came up with options for how they could pass out $5.6 million to the Saskatchewan Fire Service where it was needed most. The goal was to give it to not only equipment upgrades, but training upgrades as well. So they worked with the vendors. There's a couple different vendors that all helped on this, but they worked with all of us to try and come up with what we could as far as options for packages and equipment and training packages and things like that. And then they were ready to release it and it took them far too long to release it and they know it. But in uh, December, I believe it was on about the 20th of December last year, they released this program to our Saskatchewan Fire Service. So all fire departments could apply. They would apply with either a new fire department or as an existing fire department. They could apply as an existing to say, hey, we're a fire department, but we could use an influx of cash to help us out. Here's our training records. Here's our mutual aid agreements. Here's all the right documentation to say that we're qualified. If we're, we're approved, can we have some money to go towards X? And they kind of gave them a wish list, what they wanted. Great. We had a whole bunch of departments that applied for that and got that. And then the other option is the new fire department style, which new is a bit of a misnomer because it's not really for a brand new fire department, but it's more for a department looking to either have a restart of their extrication program, or they maybe haven't been doing a lot of it, but are getting into it. So that came with a training process. So you would be granted approval to get training. Once that training is complete, then you're granted to get the equipment package that goes with that training. There's multiple different levels to that. There's three different levels. Bottom level would be hand tools only, and there's a and those who might be familiar with the ITLS program. That's the course they're offering to the bottom level for people without the equipment. Then there's a level one extrication. It's designed to try and line up with NFPA level one. Comes with a cutter spreader ram set of tools at the end. And then there's a level two set, which level two is designed to be the advanced extrication. Now this isn't heavy rescue. This isn't big buses and everything, but the stuff we get just before that designed to kind of tie in with again nfpa level two extrication the majority of the majority of calls and on the major highways so you kind of slotted where you were that went to a committee the committee did their application process and it wasn't a one-time deal this program's been ongoing since december and on a monthly basis the committee was reviewing it and approving those applications they had those come along to the vendors and then they look at the next batch the next month so 
I think that our first go around, there was 20 applicants that I heard that they looked at. So that meant there was 20 people that applied between December 20th and January 1st. And I'll tell you, as one of the vendors, the number of phone calls that you get over Christmas break and inventory time and when you release a program, never release a large program to a province on December 20th. That was a big mistake, but they had to do it before year end. That was kind of where they were getting they to. Do what they got to do. Yeah. yeah, it sure would have been nice had they waited till January 5th. It would have been a little bit nicer. Actually, in my case, it worked out quite funny because they started telling a bunch of the first batch they were approved while I was on holidays at a ski resort and uh, I was going up the chairlift and my phone blew up. So it was quite entertaining for me that way too, that they didn't do the timing so well. For me, the next step is a lot of the training. So I'm Seahawk as well as one other vendor are the two training vendors. So that means most of the training for the level one and two are falling to the two of us. And then there's three different vendors providing tools for the packages. So we're a big part of that as well. And it's soaking up a lot of my time. But I'll tell you what, tip of the hat to Saskatchewan for coming up with that SGI Saskatchewan Salva mm. it's pretty awesome that they thought of that because there'd be a lot of things you could spend that money on it was well needed I've walked into some fire halls that maybe didn't need everything they're getting but we've walked into some that desperately did yeah. and the fun part is some of the training ones for me I'm a bit of a trainer at heart and I walk into a fire hall where I'm expecting that all oh, these guys already know everything it's a lot of senior guys they've been doing this for years but they were desperately in need of an influx of some upgrades and what's new and what's out there. So that's been the cool part to me to see how bad the need was. And I don't know, I've been driving these highways a lot and there's some areas in our province that scare me that there isn't the capabilities there that there should be. So the hope is this fills the need. Well, you think back, a lot of those guys started 20, 25 years ago, right? We didn't have EVTs. We didn't have a lot of the vehicles, the size that they are today and the type that they are today. They'd be used to full frame vehicles. And so now, you know, you start to look at how it is today. And I even like as a chief, I struggle, right? I listen mm -hmm. to some of the guys talk about the new technologies that are out there and what's going mm -hmm. on and, you know, the hydrogen fuel and mm -hmm. uh, electric vehicles and all the things we're going to have to do. And I'm happy that I'm in my office on my wheelie chair working on my computer instead of out on the road helping them out because it's changed a lot, right? So that part's pretty cool. You're definitely an all-natural guy. You bleed orange. I know if I cut you right now, orange would probably pump out <laughs> Absolutely. <of> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I definitely have the best tools. I'm pretty happy to say that. I've played with everything. I've used them all. And I know and breathe it that, yeah, I've... For a lot of reasons. If you and Henry Payton got in a fight, it would look like the sun exploded. <laughs> Pretty much. But you put the two of us in a room and it, it, it's almost fisticuffs. We have a good time when we're together and we, uh, we give each other a hard time. But Henry and I get along great. Yeah, you're definitely all macho guys. <laughs> and so it's fun to be part of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, then you it's get to kind of be on the side of that and, and doing that kind of work. And yeah, I kind of get the, the good parts of it. I get all the information. I get to play with the tools. I get to stop in when I have time, but I don't necessarily have to answer as many phone calls about all this T-Rex stuff and the, the whole macho stuff. I don't have to claim to be the expert about it, but I can have a conversation about it, which is convenient for some of us. So It's amazing to me because as you cross the country, right, there's... There's a lot of rescue specialists. Some are self-proclaimed, some are, you know, yeah. probably aren't, and some very much are. And it's fun for me to listen to the story. So Mike goes somewhere, right? I don't want to hear Mike's story about how it went. <laughs> I always want to like reach out to the firefighters and, you know, we know people from so many different places and I'll be like, well, how was that course? And that's how I judge it, right? So a yeah. lot of your feedback, yeah. Mike, so you know, is like just excellent instructor, top notch, taught us so much. 
And for me, that's kind of what makes it right. The, the guy that tells me he's the best doesn't necessarily mean he's the best. Yeah. So I kind of try to go around and see all of that stuff, right? At the end of the day, though, here's the thing. You love it, right? You sell the tools. You do the things that you're supposed to do. Then you go out and make other people love it and be interested in it. And so from me, from all of those people, thanks for doing that. That's huge, right? It's key that we uh, make sure that we're passing along all these new things that happen. Right. And so I see you at FDIC out there checking out every new thing and right. And all of that is so that you can pass it along to someone else. So absolutely. I get to play both sides, both as the fire chief hat and as the vendor side that some places I walk into, I have to remember which hat I'm wearing, but I definitely enjoy sharing that and definitely enjoy passing that along. And, and it's not just the real cool things and the really obscure things. Everybody wants to tell me about their crazy wreck story or what they, this one scene we were on and it was like this and it's like this, but usually what I want is the little things. And that's a big thing in the way I teach is all in the, the basics and being good at the little things because a large portion of our customers are all volunteers and they might not touch the tools very often and they might not run a rack very often. And so when they do, they need to be able to do that very well. So if they're good at the little things, then some of the big things will take care of themselves. But there's some really cool things I can accomplish with a set of tools, but that's because I'm cutting cars every day. But I put that in, say, your hands you're going to want to do the little things right. So we the see that all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We talk about that all the time, right? And it's, we're even developing a course called that right now. And it's all about being that firefighter that does the right thing time and again, over and over without having to think about it. Right? Absolutely. So brain engages. Mm-hmm. It's also good to have a ton of firefighters around that took all the courses and have the knowledge and can pass that on to us. But the practical firefighter is that one that can do the job, you know, without too much of that stuff. Absolutely. And a lot of us are that, the hands-on, you know, yeah. I just want to get out there and get dirty. So, can do it, but can't tell you how yeah, to. You're, kind of, you're in that phase right now. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just, you want to do it all. You want to be on every call. You want yeah. that, right? Yeah. They tell me it wears off. I don't know. We'll see. I'll learn the hard way. Yeah. In 33 years, it hasn't for me. How Perfect. I like to. I don't know when that call came in earlier while we were standing in the shop. Even though I knew it was a false alarm, I looked and went, "Do I go right now or not? How many others are going? I can still be that guy." Yeah. No, it's true, right? It's uh, here I am, 33 years. I'm, you know, the chief at a career fire department, and every time there's a call, I still walk down to the map room, right? I still want to know what's going on. Yeah. I want to know what the call was. And I don't necessarily need to be involved anymore, but I'm still nosy, right? I still want to know everything that's happening, so. Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres Emergency Vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. All right, Ayrton, I'm going to pick on you with this one. Right? Okay, here we go. So you, you <laughs> talked about growing up here and watching it go along, and right? How long did it take you before you started feeling comfortable as a firefighter? So before you kind of shed that scared. Well, comfortable is a scary word in this industry, right? I wouldn't say I'm comfortable. 
I don't know. I guess I've noticed a trend in myself is I'd like to learn. I'd like to be the sponge first before I can try to be some sort of a leader. I don't see myself being much of a leader yet. So I wouldn't say I'm quite comfortable, but that being said, a year doing what I've done can be more applicable experience than some of these guys who've been around for 30 years, 40 years. So whether I like it or not, I kind of have to maybe give some direction to some guys at some points at some times. And that's not even necessarily my own guys. That's maybe just sitting with Mike as a assistant instructor. Yeah. I don't know. It's been good. Even the PPE side, right? So you're, you know, you got to go out and visit all these customers. Yeah. They kind of know what they want, but there's six or eight or 10 times of it. They kind of know, you know, how much they have to spend. But, and so you're, you know, you're forever giving out that advice too. And so I always tell people never shortchange yourself as a salesperson, right? It's not, you're not selling used cars. You're selling life safety equipment that actually helps out with that. And and so it's a lot different, right? Mike, the stuff that you sell for Homatro, it's expensive, but you know firsthand in the hands of the right people that it can save a life. It's, Absolutely. it's uh, you know, same for you, the, mm-hmm. the PPE that you sell mm-hmm. can save a life. And I think there's no way to kind of put a price on that, right? So we were watching the T1 forcible entry tool demos when we were in Saskatchewan there. And I was like, firefighters are so weird. Like we are, we're just like, we're so into everything. We want to... And so here's this door prop and they're lined up 10 deep and they all have to break this wooden dowel with this new tool, right? And everyone's got a comment about it, right? Everybody wants to tell their story about, well, you know, I have this and I have that. And you guys are like, we're just showing you. Oh, the war stories. Yeah. Yeah, There's no shortage of that. I I love the war stories. Our (laughs) listeners love the war stories, right? And we'll probably talk a little bit about it, but at the end of the day, to me, it's like that real life lessons, right? We talk often about driving out to Manitoba to see the Seahawk folks or to do some of the work we do for Little Buffalo. No, Buffalo Point. Little Buffalo yeah. is Alberta. <laughs> by Mooseman. Every time we drive by Mooseman, there's an accident there on the highway. Yep. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's bad and sometimes it's not. And and so the other day when the bus wreck happened, mm-hmm. we're listening to all that in Manitoba, right? And we're just like, we drive by without a word of a doubt from Calgary all the way to Winnipeg, a hundred of those exact same intersections. Well, right? that exact one. And yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so, you know, you start to add it up and you think to yourself, like, you know, that could literally happen anywhere at any time. And, yeah. you know, as sad it is and as bad as it is. And, you know, you think back to the humble bus crash and think back to the swift current Broncos and like all these big events that happen. It's crazy. Right. And the people need us. They need us to have those rescue specialists that are out there teaching everybody how to do it. They need this new, better equipment and training. And people are never going to stop building better cars and houses mm-hmm. with lighter weight materials. Yeah. And right. When we bought our last camper, it always makes me laugh. Right. And the guy said, this weighs 7,612 pounds. And I was like, what? whatever, dude, like you just throw it on the things like, no, every single thing that this is built out of has been weighed individually. Hmm. I could show you what every screw weighs. I could show you what every fuse weighs. I could, right. They want to build it lighter so that it can yeah. be toned by. It's more aerodynamic. It's, yeah. yep. it's all of those fuel pieces. efficiencies, all those things. And yep. I asked, you know, it had three TVs in it. And I was like, why does it have three TVs? And what, I've never heard of this kind of TV. And he's like, that's the lightest TV you can buy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's got these TVs. And I know you're all judging me because I had three TVs in my thing, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> judge away i hate camping so i had to be bribed with something you know to know that they're trying to build it lighter and, yep. and uh, i don't want to say cheaper but you know it's not protection 
for us. And no. so, you know, vehicles are the same way as we go with these electronic vehicles. All of those pieces are, it's mind boggling. Actually, you talk about a thermal runaway and a battery and all mm-hmm. of these pieces, where's it all going to end? I don't know if it all will end. You're an electronics expert. You probably can see that there's no end to this in our lifetime, right? Probably not. And so it's kind of cool. And to link that to the 500, as we go across the country, this one and the U S and we visit all these people, right? You have to know that there's firehouses we go to and they don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's no electronic vehicles anywhere near them. They don't even know what you're talking about. You couldn't charge it in their town if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and then you go to a big show, right? We had a guy that's on the show from time to time, Brent Paquette, and he went to Las Vegas and the big heavy equipment show was all about hydrogen fuel. So there's all these monster graders and cats and everything's running off hydrogen fuel. And so, you know, I look out around your neck of the woods here at Clavette, you know, you've got great big plants, you've Mm -hmm. got lots of heavy equipment. You're going to see that stuff, even though you think, oh, you know, we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's not. You're 20 minutes from Saskatoon. You have these monster plants, right? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, this big highway going right by. What are you going to see? What do you got to be prepared Anything for? and everything. And that's a bit scary, right? So Clavette, you know, population 450 or whatever, you're trying to run this fire department next to a highway where thousands of cars go by every single day. And a chunk of that's yours to take care of. Tell us a little bit about what that makes you feel like as the fire chief. It's a little scary <laughs> because there's so many possibilities. You also didn't mention the fact that I have both CN and CP main lines within two miles of town. So we've got heavy rail and heavy passenger vehicle, etc. I don't know. No, not an issue. Not an issue. It definitely equates to some real strong possibility for big equipment, for big wrecks, even for high speeds. And we've seen it all. Over the years, there's been a little gambit of everything from cement trucks to our Cargill plant. There's a bunch of big uh, Super B semis full of canola, probably 50 a day right here. So when there's accidents, often they do involve those heavy equipment. But it also means us as a fire department, like I said, when I joined, they looked me square in the face and said, we're going to be good at car accidents and we want to be the best we can because this is our stretch of highway. This is what we do most. Now, within our area here, I mentioned earlier, we've got four fire departments. We have four within the RM. And the way we started out is we had two on opposite ends that had sets of rescue tools. So every call on the highway meant we had two crews, one from both each direction. And that was awesome as a chief or as a, at that point for me as a captain, because I knew if there's four of us in one truck, I had four coming from the other way. So even on that day when there wasn't many people around, I knew I had manpower. What we've done and uh, what's happened is one of our other departments here, the one that's actually located right in the middle, they've put a lot of work into becoming better at extrication and dealing with highway accidents. And what we realized was they could actually get there faster than some of us. So even if they showed up without a full set of rescue tools, they could be on scene for a couple minutes earlier, start that stabilization, start that traffic control, patient care, whatever might be necessary as they waited on the tools coming from either of the other two communities. Now this has grown and through this T-Rex grant, we're going to end up with a lot of tools in our area, but it's also going to mean that we have a lot of very competent rescuers coming from all sides. And in volunteer world where we're always struggling for manpower, knowing that I have four halls I can call from means that I'm 
almost always guaranteed to get those extra bodies. We're bedroom communities. A lot of our people here work in the city. The rest, large portion work at one of the mines. So they're on shift. And when you're a kilometer and a half underground, you don't come up to go to a fire call. Sometimes we need those extra bodies to backfill. And it's kind of neat because I'll get young kids all the time from Saskatoon that are, hey, I'm a fire grad. I'd like to come volunteer for you. I can come out of the city for a call. Well, great. But in that 20 minutes that it takes for me to get you, I have three other fire halls that all showed up with guys that I've been training with. So from that perspective, I feel like we've got a pretty solid crew out here. We've got a pretty great set of resources. Our communities have been really good at staffing our halls with the right equipment. Our RM has been phenomenal at supporting us out on the road and just being more concerned about Let's have the closest fire department there, not some of these political turf wars for the line is drawn here. And we've put a lot of effort into making sure that we can save those few seconds off that dispatch to make sure the first department's on the way, but then automatically we've got the other departments coming too. I love how you draw that all together because I got to tell you, so Sarah just got back from a 10,000 kilometer trip all across the Western United States, right? Went to national parks, went to big cities, Vegas, all these places. And people said to me like, aren't you scared? Like, you know, she's gone on this big trip. And I was like, I'm more pissed off about 10,000 kilometers going on our vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) She's out there and people are like, aren't you scared? I'm not like, why would I be? I know that all along that road is professional firefighters of all kinds, volunteer, call, yep. career, that if anything happens, they'll be the first ones to go there and help her out and be part of it. And and I think that that's critical. You were just talking about that, right? So mm-hmm. this is your small piece of 16, but you treat it like that and you want, you know, the best people there as quick as possible. And so I didn't really worry about it. I didn't know this, but while she was gone, Sarah, maybe talk a little bit about the list of fire departments that you kept with Maddie. Yeah. Okay. So you basically turned us into nerds. (laughs) Maddie. So we had a podcast with Brent. That's Brent's daughter. She came with me on the trip and every fire department that we passed on our trip that we saw, we didn't stop. We only stopped at one, I think. Everyone still stopped at one. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So we did 10 states in 25 days. Every fire hall that we saw, we wrote down on a list. So I would say we have over 100 on our list. We sent it to the dads when we got back. So <laughs> so it just makes you happy, right? On that whole trip, 10,000 kilometers, you saw over 100 different. That's so if crazy. you saw 100, there was 100 you didn't oh, yeah. see. Right? Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, hundreds of fire departments full of firefighters that know how to do things, have the tools, have the know-how, yeah. have the ability to help out. And you never know what could happen and where, right? But you know that those people are going to show up and they're going to help out. And so... To me, I think that that's how it is. Like now we travel all over Western Canada and it's like, oh yeah, we could break down here. We we know lots of people, yeah. right? Oh, if we got in a crash here, this what these guys are coming, those guys, <laughs> yeah. right? You start to build this confidence in a system that grows across. And as much as I talk about ego, turf, time, and money, and there's problems, huge problems in the fire service with all four of those pieces. When it comes to operational, let's help the people. It seems like the barriers are down. Those four yeah. things disappear. And we'll we sort the other work. stuff out after. Exactly. Yeah, or, or we won't. Right? Or we, we won't. We'll try for to. another yeah. 200 years. Yeah. But at the same time, when it counts, we'll dump those things and we'll get everybody there. And so to me, that's just like something that's unbelievable, right? And by going to those fire halls, I don't know, Kirsten, do you remember anywhere we weren't allowed in or you got treated bad or? No, I don't. Honestly, I feel like every time you go to a fire hall, even as soon as they find out you're from a fire hall, even a spouse of a firefighter, 
you're welcomed in. It's like your family within the first five minutes because you belong to that group, right? Like I've never once felt unwelcomed or doesn't matter what we're doing. Or if you're the daughter of a firefighter and you need to pee before a concert. <laughs> it's happened. Do you know how many times I've stopped at a fire hall for my kids to use the washroom? And it's not just me. And in today's world and through some of the work we do with Seahawk, we have a lot of door codes for fire halls for service. And more than once I've sent a text post visit where, hey, thanks, I needed to use your washroom. The kids are much happier now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, it's Chief. So crazy. So true. It's, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite fire halls. Everybody gets a chance, right? Some we've been to the same ones. Some we've been to different ones. I got asked today, which kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't really ready for that. You know, we've just seen fire halls in so many different places. But we were just recently at the Hanover, Nova Scotia Fire Hall. We got to tell you, that's a beauty, brand new custom-built fire hall over in Nova Scotia. White Horse up on the hill by the Canada Olympic Center, that has to be one of my favorites. I can't remember if it's Station 1 or Station 2, but it has kind of like a central drive through and the trucks park at an angle. They back oh, in yeah. an angle cool. so they could take off. They had a big decon area, and it was just set up really nice. Too many stairs for an old man like me, but <laughs> it was like a three-level fire hall. That, that's a beautiful one. You can't, uh, you know, I'm biased, but obviously Slave Lakes, like, got an old oil field shop converted it over to just an unreal fire hall so i'm super pumped about that one winkler manitoba i know people would call me out if i didn't say winkler manitoba because i talk about it all the time it's just one i love obviously clavette now <laughs> there the you 500th go 500th fire hall has to mean something to you right let's kind of we'll go this way we'll start Ayrton. that give Kirsten some more time to think where's your favorite one that you get to go to favorite's a hard word i think everybody wants you to say like the coolest the biggest has the nicest machinery sort of thing that's not necessarily my favorite. One that definitely comes to mind is Warman. They have it. You say that it's going to pump so many tires, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> they have a lot of equipment, a lot of nice equipment, like crazy the amount of calls they get sort of thing. Yeah, some of the smaller ones too, though, they may not have everything, but they sure have the dedication and the passion. That's really cool to see too. The old truck that was the one right after the the horse and carriage, some of those interesting ones. We were talking about Lloyd Minster earlier. That's a really cool hall. One of the cooler ones I've been to. Maybe even the gold mine up in up north in CB. So not necessarily a fire hall, but that's more a cool experience. Yeah, you get flown out to see a fire truck that is designed completely different, especially small village boy like myself. It's like completely different challenges that they're facing and the fire trucks are outfitted completely differently but also super similar so yeah industrial eh? yeah yeah been a lot of nice industrial spots the uh, you were talking about the old trucks i gotta tell you if i didn't say summerside pei right <laughs> they, had, they had a bunker like a wartime bunker in the bottom of their fire hall they're getting a new one now but the old one was the <laughs> second fire hall they have all those old trucks right they had an old ladder truck and a hand pump cart yeah right it's yep. just like uh, so we've got to see a lot of a lot of cool stuff like that over time too so all right mike you're next well like Ayrton said favorite is a weird word because there's if i was looking from a design the coolest thing i've ever seen there's some pretty neat looking fire halls but practically they wouldn't work for me yeah. and if i had to think of just for me then it gets a little narrower in the list some neat ones that i've been to that well you've mentioned a couple of them already but some that you maybe haven't rose manitoba that's a pretty cool one lots of glass doors it's really big and open 
I told my guys that landmark Manitoba was the coolest one I'd been to once I started servicing Homatro tools. South of Winnipeg, they do a lot of tanker hauling. So water from the tanker to the fire, but then they come back to the fire hall and they have these great big water tanks up in the ceiling on big steel structures so that you fill the entire tanker in four minutes. Well, that's just unheard of in this province. And as a department that has two tankers in our RM and they go to the fill station and they'll be back in 45 minutes after they fill, if that was the big four inch hose, not the small two inch hose. So to me, that was just mind blowing, something from a different area that is so applicable. And I've been asked by more than one person, is that what you're going to push for in a future hall? And it's like, well, why not? It's a, such a simple thing that seems so genius. We've been there as well. And, and we've probably told a hundred people about that setup. And yet we've seen it a few times around Manitoba now, but there's other people that don't have it. And you're like, did you ever think of this? And yeah. it just like, blows it's like light. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I like about Landmark is it's a very narrow fire hall. It's on a narrow lot and it's a drive through. So it's two bays side by side, but double deep. So you can put four trucks with lots of room to spare and they all drive through front to back. So it fits in a narrow spot and we've talked, I'm hoping crossing my fingers here, but we're looking at something sort of new fire hall here in Clavet in the next few years. And we've talked about where would it go? And a lot of times, well, you couldn't put it here because how do you put five bays side by side? Or how do you even put three bays side by side? And I said, there's other options out there and you can give me a spot. We'll figure out how to put fire trucks on it. So really like that about theirs as well. And then the mezzanine where they have all their training Mm -hmm. inside, there's a mezzanine above the offices. So they've kind of got a little bit of a search house and a lot of the different props set up up there and you can bail over the railing and come down the side and it's all just in-house that way. And so as a small, neat little hall, it it would fit every need I'd want. But it's kind of cool, eh? Never... Absolutely. I also have to point out my neighbor down the road here that is within my RM, the town of Allen. They built a new hall. I think it's now just shy of three years. That one came in significantly under budget because of the time and effort put in by the members. And it's designed exactly for them with all the basics. It's not a flashy hall. It doesn't have every possible extra, but it's exactly what was needed for that crew. And man, I can't be happier for them. I'm happy that it's part of my crew and I get to respond with those guys because it's seen an invigorating push with the new hall. So from that perspective, the building, the stuff that's there, it's nothing special to me, but the meaning and what it's done for the crew, that's a special one for me. No, and I think you both pointed that out. And I think that's just something that you got to grab onto, right? It's like, you know, what's your favorite hall? What's the best hall? What's the, you know, what's the best setup? What's it? We could go into a hundred categories and and try to figure it all out. Most of the ones I mentioned, there's something there that caught my eye, Mm -hmm. whether it's the building or how much space they had or a museum inside or whatever it was, there's always something cool about the different things. And I hate naming names because, uh, you know, <laughs> if I name five names, that means 495 don't yep. get named, right? But at the end of the day, we took something away from every single fire hall. Absolutely. There, there was 500 fire halls yeah. and we learned such cool things. And everywhere we go, we pass those things along as best practices, incorporate them wherever I am. So if I'm in Chestermere, we're incorporating them there. If I'm in Slave Lake, we're incorporating them there. If we're doing the eval tool with Seahawk at different places, we're incorporating those ideas in there. And so to me, it just became this massive, massive catalog of the way to do things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And most of them, it's the people, people we got to meet along the way and the firehouses are cool. We've got to see thousands and thousands. I can't even, tens of thousands of trucks probably along the way. 
But at the same time, none of those two are the same, right? Like you just, how they set them up and how they attach things and all they, the different things they do. So you're right. It's, you know, to pick one or another, it's really about all of the stuff. And our whole life is about these connections through these fire halls, through these fire trucks, through these events we get to go to. And so to end up at 500 here, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to go to this monster fire department. And <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I just, it wouldn't be as special to me as somewhere, a small place with a small fire department with a big, big heart and just do it right here. So I couldn't be happier than to be right here right now. Sarah, you've seen a lot along the way as well. What uh, Do you have a favorite that you want to talk about? Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily have an answer to this question. I think that I've seen a lot of very cool firefighters, or sorry, fire halls, but... You started with the right thing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, to me, there's some cool things at each one, but they, you know, fire hall is a fire hall, unfortunately, in my eyes. However, <laughs> there are some cool things that kind of pop out at some that we visited over the past, but I think the coolest part for me when I go out and visited fire halls is to meet the people that are there. I mean, I grew up in fire halls. These are my people. And it's just uh, crazy to me that they're all the same, no matter where you go. I mean, there's sometimes a rotten one in the barrel or however that goes, but there's always people who are willing to welcome you and, you know, they want to talk and they want to know about us. And that never changes no matter what fire hall you walk into. So that's a big takeaway for me. I mean, we've met some crazy people over the years and I'll never forget that. And so all the ones that have taken me in and the current ones that take me in as their annoying sister or whatever they call me, I appreciate to the ends of the ends. And I think that that's just my favorite part about the visits. She took mine. <laughs> she took mine. I was going to say, I don't have a favorite fire hall, but I do have favorite fire hall people if that makes sense right so yeah wow you think i went down a dark place yeah don't start naming them <laughs> it's not like sarah said every fire department has these amazing people that just welcome you in and like i think of us going to buffalo point and i think of them and their hardships and how hard it was for them to even bring us in to help them train to get back to where they are today and i just think it's not just Drew and Lee, who I love to pieces, it's every volunteer at that hall and how dedicated they were and how we were doing things and they were like, we're going to do this today? Oh, okay, let's go. And right, like, but that same thing at everyone, like I think of the places where we've got to go do eval tools or even spend some time, like when we were in Colchester County and we hopped from fire hall to fire hall. And I think of North River where all of a sudden there was like 15 people there, people walking across the street, kids, dogs, animals, whatever. And because they knew we were going to be visiting, there was 15 people there all of a sudden, right? So that is my favorite. But if I have to pick, unlike Sarah, a fire hall means nothing to me, right? I don't care about the setup. I don't care. But when I get to see the front of it and there's glass doors it's just like I think of the Fort St. John mm -hmm. Fire Hall and I think of the one in Charleston and those glass doors that it just, that I mean, welcoming. That's, it's so impressive yeah. looking, right? Yeah. So, it's I mean, it, yeah. it is, right? It has right? a presence, yeah. It sure does, yeah. yeah. But so it's still in North Carolina, right across the street from like a white sand beach. 
Oh, like that they, would be nice. Oh, yeah. Like they could walk across the road to the beach. Eat I lunch mean, on the bumper. If I had to pick yeah. one, twist yeah. my arm, that would be where I am. There's probably the odd one in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm a mountain guy. I'll take the mountains yeah. instead. Kananaskis. Yeah. Phenomenal. Kananaskis. That's a beautiful one. Looks out it on is. the mountains. Yeah. Kananor's about to build another one that uh, looks like it's going to be incredible. Uh, for sure. It's crazy. So, Mike, I'm going to point it back to you. We're getting close to the end you here. Bet. But I want to know. It's like, so we were getting close to 500, right? We were yep. at the shows together. I think we were maybe still 10 away or whatever. And we said, hey, you know, maybe Clavette could be the 500 <laughs> right? We know you haven't been there. Yep. You know, it's close to where we live in Canadian terms, 600 kilometers away from our home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no uh, big deal. You no know, big yeah, deal. I'll just drive for the night. At the end of the day, how did it start in your mind? We said, hey, you want to be 500 to, you know, what it takes to set up and now kind of the pressure of being 500. So, yeah, it was kind of fun because we said it in jest at first when you were t- we were talking about numbers and, yeah, I haven't been to my fire hall yet. Do you want to come in and let's make it? And when you said, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And I kind of had to think about it for a minute. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. No big deal. <laughs> but I've been wanting to bring you in for my crew for a while and have you just share some stories like, it's been pretty neat for me to work alongside you and to just to have you as a resource, your 500 fire halls, your history as a chief, all of that stuff, and be able to shoot you a text, give you a call, say, hey, I need a, I have a question. That resource is huge. I've listened to every one of the podcasts because I put all these miles on the road. I've read the stories. I've heard the stories. I've talked to the people you've talked to and to be able to utilize those resources for my crew because that's been my thing from day one is that I want to make my crew better. And if I can tie them into some of the resources that I know, we just recently sent a guy to a course in Humboldt and the guys in Humboldt have been great for me. And I said, well, you're there. Ask them about this, 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 and this because that's interest of yours. And so now he comes back telling me about all the cool things he got from them. But that's just pointing the right people to the right resource. This kid sitting beside me here that we hired as a firefighter and yet, hey, I I got some resources that are applicable to you. Yeah. When he was telling me how he wanted to do some wildland firefighting and when Alberta was on fire a few years ago and I'm watching you guys take off with our response trucks and it's like, hey, I might know a guy. Now, the timing missed by about a month, but otherwise he'd have been on a truck with you at one point or another. And it's all of those things. So the excitement to have you guys here and the crazy part is, is it's nothing special. It isn't a big earth shattering preach from the on high message. It's just share some wisdom with the crew, have some fun for us. This is our kickoff to summer. One thing we started last year was doing a lot of scenario based with our four halls to try and get all halls working together a little bit more. The guys having some comfort of knowing each other off call and being able to recognize and say, hey, your name's actually Andy, not just the guy in the red helmet over there. So I think this is the ultimate way of putting that all together. And if, if it means a little bit of logistics to find some food and drinks and whatever, I have an amazing wife that takes care of a lot of that. And I looked at her with my crazy schedule and I said, do you want to help plan the food? And it's okay to say no. And she said, no, it's already done. Just (laughs) 
yeah, tell me how many people and what time and it'll There's happen. thousands of firefighters listening to this going, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> right? It's, it's those resources <laughs> and it is that fire family. My kids have grown up fire. My kids, one of them's wandering around the house here trying to stay quiet and ignore us. The other one is my little Hellraiser and you guys get to meet her tonight, some of you that haven't. We're going to have some fun, but to them, the fire is the family. And if that means planning a party for all their friends, great. Last fall, when we did our, one of our training days, they hung out in our shop and, you know, she was happy to tour the kids around and jump on the trampoline and show them the cats. So if that extends to the rest of the fire family, yeah, absolutely. So that's to me, the whole process. We are one big family here and it's been cool for me to just be a part of that and having you guys actually here as to experience my side of it. I've got to experience your side of it. I hung out at FDIC with your son and now I get to meet Sarah. I hadn't met Sarah before, but I told the story to one person that Jamie and I both worked for Seahawk for a full year and a half. And the first time I met him was when I came in late to a restaurant in Indianapolis and across the table and we sat down together to eat a meal together because we'd worked together. We'd been on the phone. We'd sat in numerous meetings, but we were never in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, we're down in Indianapolis with uh, 30,000 other firefighters and we're sitting at the table across from each other. It's come full circle for me that way. And I'm, I couldn't be happier that we get to share that with my crew tonight. So. I don't know how to sum it up better. I mean, that's, that's growing on fire season three, episode 14. Thanks everyone for being here. Clavette, Saskatchewan, 500 fire hall. Boom. Congrats guys. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs>Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.